We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello, hello, good morning and welcome to Centrepoint Church. My name's Chris and uh, I get the privilege of leading the leadership team here at church and I'm just so pleased that you've come today. So we're going to be in John chapter 14 and I'd love you to turn to it now. Um, Each week we love to preach from the Bible and this week's no different and it might just be though that you don't have a copy of um, the Bible and so why don't you stick your hand up now and someone will bring it to you in your seat and if the reason that your hand is up is because you don't own a Bible then you know what you can just keep it as a free gift from us it will bless you and do you good throughout the uh, last seven weeks we've been gearing ourselves up for the plans of God by going through a series which we've called Equipped and we've been encouraging ourselves to be equipped in lots of different ways from gaining inspiration from Jonah to looking at a precious message to prayer and having missionary hearts to being equipped by Jesus with the Great Commission and with a story to communicate and next week Catherine is going to finish our series by looking at the extraordinary impact that we can make in our ordinary lives and of course in order to do that we need to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit and so this morning we've entitled the talk equipped uh, by the Holy Spirit and so whether you're a Christian or not I just think this is such a great morning for you to experience you know the amazing news Um, about Jesus this morning is not that he is a man that lived 2,000 years ago and that he's left us these ancient texts to decipher. No, Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. And that feeling that we get in our worship time, the feeling that we have um, when we just feel God's goodness and his grace in our hearts as we sing and worship, well, that is the presence of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus gives to us. And so... That is amazing because what it means is that whatever your education status, whatever your background, wherever you are in the world, you can know the power of God in your life through the Holy Spirit. That's what he enables us to do, to to see and to feel God in our midst, regardless of how well we are at, I guess, even engaging in his word. And yet that is so important too, because he reveals it to us. And so... Jesus, having seen the lame walk and the blind see and the dead rise and the sick healed, having declared that he is the way, the truth and the life, later on starts to talk about this gift of the Holy Spirit. And so in John chapter 14, we're going to go from verse 11. Hopefully you found it by now. Uh, If you haven't, don't worry, it will also appear on the screen. But John 14 verse 11, it says this. Believe me when I say, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it, if you love me and keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate that's the Holy Spirit to help you 
and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Amen. Well, what amazing words. It's so amazing. You know, I often wonder what would it feel like and and wouldn't it just be amazing if Jesus could come into this room right now whilst we're worshipping and kind of be in our presence and in our midst and yet as we read these verses we kind of see that no actually the very best thing for us is that Jesus is not here and that his Holy Spirit's presence is with us. And so just a few chapters later in John 16, he says, no, actually, it's better that I go, that the spirit will be with you. And so the impact of the spirit's presence is felt all around the world. And it has been from that very earliest days where there was 12 and then a few hundred and then a few thousand and then millions and now billions. And so I just kind of wonder... As we kind of talk about these things, I wonder how do you feel? How do you feel about that? Jesus declaring that he will send his spirit to all believers and that he will be with you and that you can do greater things than the things that we see in the Bible. How do you feel about that? If you're anything like me, then you probably feel a mixture of feelings. Inadequacy, maybe challenged, disheartened, unworthy faithless, maybe disappointed that you haven't seen more, frustrated, confused, maybe inspired and motivated or encouraged. All sorts of different feelings can, can, we can come to in this whole topic of the Holy Spirit. Experiences from, from our past, perhaps where we've prayed for people and, and we haven't felt like anything's really happened or, or we've stepped out because God's given us like a, a word or a picture and we've brought it and it just hasn't made sense to the people we're sharing it with. Or, there can be all sorts of experiences and feelings around the, the whole topic of the Holy Spirit. And so it's a great one for us to look at. I love that it's, it's here in this series as we've walked through and talked through all the things that Jesus has done and seen and, and now this is him coming to us. Jesus has left to be at the right hand of the Father, but he hasn't abandoned us. And his mandate to the church, to the people who carry on his work of seeing lives restored is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because we're special, far from it but because he is gracious and loving and kind. And so, you know, throughout the Bible, actually, right from the very start, all the way through, um, from Adam and Eve, all the way through, you know what, people have been a little bit sceptical. We'll see that, I want to mention about Adam and Eve in a moment. They might have seemed a bit unsure or, or doubted God's goodness, certainly, and it's possible to have those feelings about him today, and I just want to just recognise that, do you know what, that's okay, because we all do. It's like a, it's a natural tendency to be like, oh, I'm just not sure. Um, do you know, everything about God, every single piece of doctrine about him, from creation 
to incarnation, to resurrection, to every single thing, is fundamentally, at the heart of it all, is grace giving. Everything. Apart from the doctrine of God, which is about the giver of the grace gifts. But everything else is about grace giving. Grace means this. It means an unearned, undeserved, unmerited, free gift. And we can see his grace gifts throughout the whole Bible. Almost every page there are grace gifts. I want to talk about these because that's going to help us to lead into the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you a few. Right from existence of life itself is a gift. The creation story is just full of gifts. Life is, is given to creatures. It's amazing. Earth is given to humanity. Woman is given to man and children are given to women. And God says, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seeds and every, um, on, on, yeah, yielding seeds across all the face of the earth. And every true, tree that has fruit that produces seeds you can have, like raspberries and olives and grapes and garlic and mango and cocoa. And a little later, animals are thrown in too. And he says, I give you everything and so it's like duck eggs and and honey and cream and trout and dare I say steak and you know it's all there God gives dominion to mankind over all creation so mountain ranges and waterfalls and rivers and lakes and and oceans and deserts and jungles and he gives rain and he gives snow and he gives light and he gives fragrance and colors and flavor he gives oxygen and ecosystems to maintain it and you know notice that none of these things are needed by God. He doesn't need one of them. And yet he gives them graciously. And he gives them not to people who deserve it or earn it or merit it. None of his creatures do that. But he is a gracious, lavish, generous God that gives them anyway. Do you know, in contrast, the serpent or the devil that we read about in Genesis 3, he has nothing to give, nothing at all. And so instead he focuses on attacking God's gifts. First, by insinuating that they haven't really been given at all. In Genesis 3, God, having declared over the first two chapters, all this you can have, the devil comes and goes to Adam and Eve and says, did God really say that you can't eat anything in the whole garden? And Eve puts him right. says, actually, no, he, he, he said we could have anything, but it's just that one tree. Then, so not only does he insinuate that they haven't really been given, he then suggests that God's motives are sinister. And he says, wow, the reason why God doesn't really want you to eat that fruit is because he doesn't want you to be like him. And if you eat it, then you will have the mind of God. And so it's like sinister motives behind it that the devil tries to creep in. Having heard this and been enticed, Adam and Eve allow their gaze from the abundance and the lavishness of everything that's been given to them. They Instead, they gaze on the one tree and they preoccupy their minds with the one thing that hasn't been given by God. They think, well, why not that one, God? I want that. Hey, can't we all do the same? The fall is what happens when we think that God's gifts aren't good enough. It's the story of the prodigal son. The the son thought that more joy and more love and more grace could be found outside of the father's presence. And so he says, give me what's mine. And he runs away and scarpers. He learns his lesson and he comes back to a gracious God that keeps on giving You know, the the creation account, it declares everything to be good, 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 and then very good. The garden is paradise, the work is good, the sex is good, the marriage is good. And yet Adam, like us all, rather than taking responsibility, he concludes that the problem is with the gift and even with the giver. 
And so when God confronts him about the, the sin that they've done, the fruit that they've eaten, he then starts saying, well, this woman that you gave me, that gift that you gave me, that gift of yours, that's the reason why I ate the fruit. She gave it to me. She enticed me. She was meant to be a gift, God, but she was the one that led me into this sin. And you gave her. And so through the devil's schemes, who points out that, well, does God really give good gifts? And, and maybe he's got sinister motives. And then through Adam's own deceit, by, by rec- like kind of attacking God's gifts in the first place, and even God himself, we kind of see a pattern and then translates all the way through. That we can look at almost anything in life that is meant to be a grace, wonderful gift to us. And yet we can look to the one thing that perhaps is not given. We can look to the area that isn't good. And we start focusing on that instead. And do you know what? And yet even though Adam and Eve did that, God keeps on giving anyway. Let me give you a few more things. He gives clothes to cover their shame. He gives Eve sons. He gives the world an ark and then a covenant and a rainbow. He gives Abram a new name, Abraham. And he gives him a blessing and he gives him a land and he gives him a promised seed, which is an ancestor that will bless all nations. And then he gives children to barren women and he gives inheritances to undeserving men. He gives angelic visitation and wrestling matches with God. He gives um, priests and prophets and he gives rams and bushes. He gives freedom from slavery and he gives manna from heaven and water from rock and he gives forgiveness from sin. He goes on, he gives like kings and tabernacles and temples and Torahs and he gives the first Christmas incarnation. That most amazing, precious gift, God himself wrapped in cloths in a manger. Jesus, seeing and hearing from the Father, he carries on the grace given. And he gives love and hope and peace and joy. And he gives sight to the blind and he gives speech and he gives bread and wine and he gives teaching. And he gives social inclusion and table fellowship. And he gives forgiveness and he gives honour and dignity and value and respect. He gives an abundant meal from a few loaves and a few fish. And then he gives his own life of his own accord, a ransom for many. And so we sing, your goodness is running after me. Because his goodness is unending from the beginning to the end. And so in 2 Corinthians 9, it's a good response. Verse 15, it says this, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Just unbelievable, amazing. The free gift of eternal life that's through Christ Jesus, as Romans 6 talks about. And having done all of that, Jesus doesn't just leave, but then he keeps on giving too. And the one gift that he speaks more about than any other gift is the gift of his Holy Spirit. More than any other. And so we read it in John 14. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. If you love me and keep my commands, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. It's the spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. I mean, how could it? It's tough. But you know, if you've put your trust in Jesus, you can know him. You know him for he lives with you and he'll be in you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. That's what Jesus says. I'm going to come to you. Amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. From the moment the Spirit is poured out, he is described as a gift and one to whom Christian experience kind of centres all around. It's how we know God. 
It's how we feared him in our hearts. And then through our acts, we see that this, the gift is for all, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for all who repent and get baptised and believe in Jesus. The gift, it's a gift that money can't buy, though Simon the sorcerer tried to buy it. It's a gift that was poured out on all nations and all tribes and all tongues. It's a gift that is given to guarantee our internal inheritance. That's Ephesians 1 uh, verse 4. It's a gift given to help you know what to say when you're trying to talk to people. It's a gift given to strengthen and encourage. It's given to help us to know that we are God's children. It's given to heal. And so we see in in Acts chapter 3, right at the beginning, that um, you've got the disciples going around, Peter and John, they come across a lame man and they say, the lame man, he's begging, he wants money because that's what he thinks his greatest need is. And so they're like, well, silver and gold we don't have. But what we give, what we do have, we give to you. Take your mat, get up and walk. And, and the guy gets up and he walks and he goes on praising God. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's given that we might feel him in our hearts and not just know him on our heads. He's given to help us pray. And the Holy Spirit, not only is he given to us, but then he gives gifts. He keeps on giving and so he has gifts of healing and wisdom and prophecy and faith and words of knowledge and discernment and teaching and evangelism and administration and hospitality and mercy and leadership and tongues and interpretation and much much more you can read about them all in 1 Corinthians 14 we spent three weeks on them in our Corinthian series you can track it back through church suite on our podcast he's a gift that keeps on giving what a gracious and lavish God God the father giving his son Jesus giving his life And Jesus um, sending his spirit to come into our lives so that we can know him today. Like all gifts, it's so easy for us to focus on what doesn't work or what's not good or what isn't so great. It's focused us to, to go to God and maybe act like we aren't worthy or we aren't good enough or we aren't whatever. It's sometimes we can we can deceive ourselves or we can be tricked by the devil because he wants us to. He knows what we can be in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to be well away, away from that. And yet this gift of the Spirit is to be enjoyed and cherished, to be received. It's, it's a wonderful gift that's given. And so Romans 8 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will you not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? We're, we're called to be equipped with the Holy Spirit. We're called to be a people. If you are a Christian, if you've put your trust in Jesus, then you're not called to be someone who wanders around the earth, abandoned or away from God, but to know him in your heart and in your mind daily. To, to ask him, to seek him, to be continually filled, to to. to to then not just be filled for your own good, but to go out. I remember, uh, I think it was last year, uh, one of the other guys was preaching and they talked about a salt truck depot dispensing machine. And it was talking about how, I think it was snowing at the time probably, and how like the salt trucks, they come into the depot, they fill up with the salt, but then the purpose of being filled up the salt is to go out and to spray the roads. 
And then they come back in and they get filled up again and then they go out and spray the roads. And it's a bit like our, our Sundays where we come in or, or our groups where we come together and we pray and we, we pray for each other and we pray for equipping. We pray for the NHS staff and say, Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them wisdom and discernment as they help to tackle the coronavirus. And, and we do that so that as they go out into the world, they then dispense and, and give freely of what they've been given. They give the good news of the gospel. They they give the Holy Spirit. Yeah, silver and gold we don't have. What we do have is God with us. And so I want to pray for you. Yeah, I want to stand with you. I want to walk with you through this hard season. I want to, yeah, be one who, who loves the Lord and shows you how he can love you too and how you can love him. We're called to be equipped with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit equips us for the miraculous. The Holy Spirit is given for signs and wonders. And when Jesus performed miracles, he would often say, I do this because I see what the Father is doing and he's calling me to. And so now, and now I'm doing it. And in the same way, he encourages us to do the same. That we come in the power of the Holy Spirit because we see what Jesus is doing, what he's about. And we pray into those things and we ask him to reveal his will on this earth. This is how we will, everyone will know that we are his. And so I just want to encourage you, because this has challenged me massively. And maybe it's challenging you too. I mean, I don't know, you might be a great bunch of people. You just go out and you're like, yeah, Holy Spirit host sprayers. I don't know. And you just, um, that's a really bad analogy. Um, but you just might be so in tune with the Spirit. But if you're anything like me, then it's really easy to get disheartened and afraid and nervous. And, oh, but what if... You know, what if I pray for someone for healing and they don't get healed? What then? Like, then I'll look silly. And we can have all these kind of fears and anxieties and we can be exactly like Adam and Eve in the garden. And we can start questioning. Yeah, but why, why can't we have that one tree? Why doesn't this work? Why doesn't that happen? And I just believe instead we're just, we're not called to focus on the thing that we don't have, but focus and, and come to God in expectation on what he has promised and given. And, and we live, it's just the reality that we live in the now and the not yet. We, we live in a time period where Jesus has ascended to heaven, he's given us the Holy Spirit, but he hasn't returned yet. There will be a day when he returns and there'll be no more sickness and no more death and no more disease and no more crying, no more decay. And we won't need to pray for healing because there'll be restoration complete. We, we live in the season before that, where there's glimpses of God's he- heavenly nature comes through. And sometimes we pray and people are healed. And sometimes we pray and they aren't. And we don't always know the answers to those questions. And the results actually aren't asked to bear. It'd be so, uh, it'd be so easy for us to... Worship the gift and not the giver. And when we start to worship the gift, what we do is we start to make it about the gift of healing or whatever. And so the person with the healing gift is, is the one that should be worshipped. And that's the thing that we should rally around. But that person was never special. It was a grace gift from God. An unearned, unmerited, undeserved gift. It, we can do the same with worship. Aren't our worship team so great? And we can worship. Oh, isn't that amazing? The, the gift of worship. Or you can do that with like leaders and preachers. It's possible to do that. And, and we can look to people and think, oh, they've got it and I haven't. And so we feel bad. But actually, it's got nothing to do with them. It was just a grace gift. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. They didn't merit it. I certainly haven't. So God is gracious and he loves to give. 
And so we're called to help people to, to know the gifts they've been given and then be set free and flourish and thrive in, in any way that God has called them to. And that will look different from person to person, and that's okay, because God is a God of flavour and colour and fragrance and variety. And so we want to see it all released and equipped in our church. At the beginning of, um, right at the beginning of the series, we had a guest speaker from one of the other commissioned churches which we belong to, a guy called Ed from Basingstoke. And he encouraged us to focus on the fruitful thing and not necessarily on the productive thing. He spoke about how sometimes we can spend one-on-one time with a friend, building that relationship, but we feel like we're doing lots of input there and it's not really productive. That, oh, we better to do a course and have 20 people in there and that would be the more productive thing. And he's saying, no, actually, we're not called to be, to be like that. We're called to be fruitful. Jesus, throughout his parables, he, he's not like, you know, he's, he's like lavish. He's like, sow the seeds everywhere. And yeah, some will land on dry ground and on the dust and the paths, but some will catch good soil. soil. And he doesn't say, I'll oh, make a plan and just kind of do a bit of an analysis and think about which of your friends might be soft soil and just tell them about the gospel. He doesn't do that. No, he says, everywhere, everywhere you go, whoever you meet, wherever you go, be a people of the spirit and be lavish with your words and with your time, with your energy, with your money. Because the results aren't yours, the results are his. And so um, healing is one of those areas that I know that it's like, oh, I don't know if I, should I pray for healing? Shouldn't I pray for healing? There's a, a healing evangelist in America who kind of says that about 80% of the time that he prays for someone for healing, nothing, nothing happens. And so some, somewhere like 10 to 15%, like that person's healed or there's a part healing. Do you know what? Praying for healing for someone is not the productive thing, but it is the fruitful thing. And it's the thing that we're called to do. It's the thing we're encouraged to do out of a place of faith where, where you're at. And, and, and so I just want to encourage us to be a people of the Spirit. It's, not, it's no different. Acts is no different to our time now. It's all in the same time period after Jesus has ascended and before he will return. And this, the Spirit is poured out in the same way on all of us. And so we can be a people of faith and boldness. Yeah. How are we doing for time? I just went off my notes, so I'm really sorry. Um, I think it would be good to pray. Uh, maybe we can get the band back up. And uh, just as they come up, I, I just want to encourage us that the Holy Spirit is a gift to be received... I want to remind you that it's unearned, undeserved. And so the way we receive gifts is remember that the gifts are good. They're not bad or ambiguous. And so we need to be people that are thankful to God for them. And we need to remember that the gift, of, the gift comes from the giver. That God is the giver and that we're called to worship him. And so we're called to be thankful and we're called to worship the giver and not the gift. And then thirdly, we're simply called to receive. As opposed to kind of reciprocate or countering or making up for, we're just called to receive. Be good stewards of the gifts that we've been given. And so I just want to encourage us, there's so many um, different ways in which the Holy Spirit loves to speak to us. Sometimes through a whisper, sometimes through uh, all sorts of different ways. 
And I want us to encourage us to be a people that are just open to what the Spirit might do with you today. And so why don't we stand together? We're kind of going to go into a time of just worship, seeking God. I want to encourage us to have our hearts open and soften to what God might do in you. And I want to encourage you to open your hearts to ask him to reveal himself to you. I want to encourage you to be a people that would ask God, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill me with your boldness and power and courage and strength? Would you speak to me again today that I would be someone who doesn't just know but feels you deeply, knows your presence with me to my utter core. I wouldn't be able to deny it. Just know you're with me. Let me just pray. We're going to worship and then in between there might be people that have words or whatever and we can pray for healing. We can do it all. But just for now, I just want to encourage us just to settle our hearts. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you are a gift giver. You are so gracious and you're so generous. You're so lavish. And I just pray, Lord God, that as we come, would you help us all the different fears, anxieties, the the questions that we might have, Lord. We're just going to lay them aside for now. And we're just going to come to you, Lord God, with open hearts and open minds and open hands and just ask you, Holy Spirit, would you just come and fill this place? Would you fill us again afresh? Would we just know your love and your grace on our hearts again? Would we know again your, your just your love for us? Lord, we know that we are people who, are, who don't deserve or haven't earned and we don't merit anything. But Lord God, we know that you are a gift giver who is gracious and generous and you want to pour out your spirit on us. And so I just ask, Lord God, would you just come? You're so welcome in this place. Come and fill us with your presence. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.